0: good afternoon everybody my name is christian wagner and i'm the militant thomist so i was reading the other day and uh in sylvester uh, joseph sylvester hunter hunter sylvester joseph i can't remember the order of his first and middle name but he has a late 19th century um outline of theology he was one of the the later manualists and he had a very interesting section within his within his dogmatic theology he actually gave an account and description of the method of disputation of scholastic disputation which was used in late 19th century catholic seminaries so this this really piqued my interest so i decided to uh to kind of uh, get the text and to uh decide to go over it today do describe i at least thought it was interesting to describe how it would have looked and yes i am in a different place yet again um eventually my office should be done but uh we'll see maybe i'll be in different places every single video keep you guys on your on your feet so actually i always forget about this but before that if you really enjoy what i do become a patron of patreon.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. And then also join the, join the Discord. And I need to find the link for that to send. Because I have not at all been remembering to send the Discord. There we go. Oh, it's not letting me send it. That's weird. Okay, whatever. It's in the description below, if you care enough. Okay, so I guess I'll get right into how that would have looked. And this is kind of more, I guess it's less informative and more just like cool than anything. Because there's a few things in there where I've read a lot of these terms. And through context, I've kind of gained an idea of it. But I couldn't give, it's one of those things where I can't give a super solid definition of a lot of them. So I'd, I'd honestly like to see if anybody out there actually has a, um, a work which does, I'm sure one of the manuals of theology has a section in there describing all of these, uh, various terms, but I'd like to, I definitely like to see something like that, of that sort. I'd Definitely like to go over a series. I think that'd be super helpful in, in learning how arguments work and learning how to refute objections because this is a very, um, very. let me think of the term I'm trying to use a very particular type of science. It's very rigid. It's um, it's very nice in that way because you can actually express what you're trying to say very easily. So this was like the high, 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 high point of scholasticism right here in Catholic seminaries, which is kind of insane. Look what they've taken from us. OK, and just just another comment I keep I keep having these random tangential comments before I begin, but it is super crazy to think that this method of disputation was used up until the the mid um, 20th century, up until Vatican II. And even a little bit after Vatican II, you'll get some of uh one of the manuals written after Vatican II, the the name of it slipping my mind. But I see the same method of disputation which is used in there. And it's used like Archbishop Lefebvre will will talk about how he, when he was in seminary, they would have disputations. And then when he established his seminary um in a cone, he used this method of disputation. And then it stretches all the way back to obviously the 11th and 12th century and then even further back there in more um embryonic forms so i i just thought it was kind of cool so let's get into it so this is an appendix on volume one of his outlines of theology i'm thinking i'm going to reprint that i don't think that it's in it's in print anymore but it's a very helpful resource he's a very strong Thomist, but uh he he has a few he's he was a jesuit so there's a few uh few things wrong with it but we'll, we'll let them slide So the reader may be interested to see a sketch of the mode employed in many Catholic seminaries to test the works the work of the classes in philosophy and theology A few days notice is given of the date and matter of the disputation A thesis is selected embodying some point which has been recently treated by the professor and one student is assigned to defend the thesis while one or more others are assigned to object. We shall call the defendant D and the objitiant. I've never heard that word actually. Oh, all of the proceedings are conducted in Latin. That's also another insane point is that when it came to disputations, they were doing disputations in Latin and this, he was writing this in, let me think, 1896. This is like the amount that we've lost, like with the, with the moto proprio, um, of pope francis on the on the latin mass he had to tell each bishop to have at least one person in his diocese that was good enough at latin to be able to facilitate um the celebration of the the latin mass that was one of his recommendations but like that completely completely misses it every single person in your diocese should be like a hundred years ago they would be able to to do serious disputations in theology and philosophy in latin and even you'll get in like the the 19 um, 6 uh, 50s late 1950s you have pope john the 23rd and he he was scared that they were going to lose latin so he decided to uh, send uh, new educational reforms that they would have to do every single um, every single philosophical lecture in latin which kind of backfired on him because people didn't know latin as well so they actually had to just repeat it in their negative language which meant that the lectures were just half as long but at least he tried He definitely tried okay so when the time comes defendant reads the thesis and shortly explains its meaning, bearing, and grounds, usually without noticing the objections that may be made against it. This is the business of the objectionist who has selected two or three that seem to him most telling among such as he can invest, and find by diligent search in the books of authors who have written on either side of the controversy. When D. pauses, O. reads the thesis, and formally denies it, D. asserts its truth, and thereupon O. makes his attack. This takes the form of a syllogism, having for its conclusion the contradictory of the thesis. D. repeats the syllogism to show that he has gathered the words correctly, and then gives his answer to each premise, granting, denying, or distinguishing as he sees fit. O then undertakes to prove something which D has denied and does so by another syllogism, which D replies as before. And so the dispute goes on until either the assigned time is exhausted, or O finds it's well to abandon his first difficulty and start a new one. Or as sometimes happens, D is reduced to silence. And this is this is a bit a bit crazy because these disputations would actually just last all day. Like some of them, I mean, you wouldn't have the same guys going at it all day. You just have people throwing. They were so good at this, just being able to throw syllogisms at each other and be able to respond to it on the fly. Um, and this was a part of their their pedagogy. And yeah, we've we've really lost a lot when it comes to when it comes to education. So a disputation on Saint Paul's dealings with Saint Peter of, at Antioch might run something as follows. O against the thesis, the dispute between St. Paul and Cephas recorded in the second chapter of the epistle to the Galatians, far from disproving the primacy and infallibility of St. Peter, tends to support both. I argue the passage before us shows that St. Peter was neither infallible nor primate. Therefore, the thesis is false. Then the defend the uh, I'm just going to say the defendant. The defendant, after repeating what has been said, I deny both parts of the antecedent. O, I prove the antecedent, and first as to the first part. That passage shows that St. Peter was not infallible, which represents him as failing, but this passage represents him as failing, therefore, and C. D, I distinguish the major. Failing in prudence or other virtue, especially faith, faith, I deny. Failing in faith, I subdistinguish, and abstaining from teaching falsehood, I deny, and teaching falsehood, I grant. I counter distinguish the minor in prudence or other virtue except faith, or in faith and abstaining from teaching error, I pass it over. Failing in faith and teaching error, I deny. Yeah, the, these guys were doing that all day, back and forth. That's just crazy to me. Like, it, it's, it's even hard for, for me to follow, and I'm, I'm used to some of these um, methods of disputation. At least seeing them in the, them in the wild I definitely like to see if there is a work or like a section of a work where somebody in their intro decides to um, like define all of these all of these terms and give a lot of easy examples to be able to understand maybe that's something that needs to be done maybe I'll do that oh but it represents him as teaching error and faith and I prove it St. Peter is represented as teaching error in faith, when his conduct is described as leading many to a false belief, but the conduct of St. Peter, and C, therefore, and see. D. I distinguish the major, leading and intended to lead. I grant the major, leading contrary to his intention and through hastiness of those that were led, I deny. I counter-distinguish the minor, leading and intended to lead, I deny, otherwise I grant. But they were not led away through hastiness, and I prove it. It is not hasty to suppose that a pope will act according to his convictions, but those whom Peter led away merely went on the supposition that he was acting on his convictions. Therefore, in C, D, I distinguish the major, acting on his convictions, so as never to do what he believes to be forbidden, I grant, so as always to use all liberty that he possesses, I deny, But they went on the supposition that he was doing what he knew to be forbidden. I deny on the supposition that whatever he did not do, he believed to be forbidden. I grant objection, objection, objection. But at any rate, St. Paul treated St. Peter as an inferior. Therefore, St. Peter was not primate. I deny objection. He treats another as inferior who blames him. But St. Paul blames St. Peter, therefore, and see, I distinguish the major, blames him by way of authority and without any indication of respect, I grant, by way of charitable warning and with indications of respect, I deny, and I counter distinguish the minor, blaming him by way of authority and without showing respect, I deny. Otherwise, I grant and refer to Galatians one eighteen and 2.13. Objection. But the fathers thought the incident as narrated inconsistent with patrian primacy and i prove it what fathers most renowned as interpreters of holy scripture taught is the interpretation of the fathers but such fathers thought the incident as inconsistent therefore nc in and then the defendant i distinguish the major taught as witnesses of traditional interpretation i grant taught as their own conjecture i subdistinguish deserves respectful consideration i grant is the unanimous voice of the fathers which demands assent, I deny. To the minor, I deny. I prove the minor. When skilled interpreters adopt far-fetched and inconsistent explanations of a text, it is a sign that they feel that the prima facie meaning of the text is against them. But Clement of Alexandria adopted one such explanation, St. Jerome and St. Chrysostom another, therefore in C. I distinguish the major, and they hereby show that their own belief was opposed to the prima facie meaning I grant otherwise I deny to the minor I distinguish and they hereby showed that they believed in the primacy and infallibility I grant otherwise I subdistinguish, and they did this as private critics I grant as witnesses to tradition I deny ingenious combatants may go on and then that was the end of the um, that was the end of the disputation and then like that that sort of thing would go on forever, so you can see that preparing for that sort of disputation would just just be insane. This this actually, interestingly enough, this could be like a Twitter type disputation because it's so conde- it's so dense, it's so condensed. You can in 140 words completely give and respond to arguments left and right without all of this dense, uh, well, not dense, fluffy sort of rhetoric. That you get in modern books of theology where oh my gosh some of these some of these books i'll read they're like six seven eight hundred pages and they should be they have maybe 40 pages of content if you're actually writing this dense and then the the old books will be like 12 volumes but that would be like 100 volumes of, of modern books it's insane so he he finishes his comment ingenious combatants may go on for long but sooner or later the matter is exhausted The method seems well-suited for securing that each party understands the view put forward by the other and for hindering all wandering from the point. To say this is to say that it is well-suited for the attainment of the truth. And that is definitely true. So that's all I got for you. Thank you.